Today's Dead Idea, Viking Berserkers, and this is the grand finale of this epic series. Now, for our finales, we always do a mashup of a historical tale and a pop culture movie. And our tale today is a Viking romance called Gungurhalf's Saga, and it's so full of over-the-top powers and craziness that it might as well be a superhero movie. It's chock full of berserkers to boot, and here's the best part. We are going to flip the script and tell the story from the perspective of the villains, the berserkers. That's right, just like the movie Suicide Squad, it's going to be about the bad guys. So today, this is going to be Suicide Swords Berserker Battalion. <laughs> Featuring a soundtrack by Antti Mardukainen. That's what we're talking about today on Dead Ideas. Hey everybody, thanks for listening. The music we just heard was composed by Rachel Westhoff, my lovely wife, who is currently in hard denial that she ever had a crush on Jared Leto's Joker. <laughs> So yeah, when that movie came out, I was seriously worried that I might be married to Harley Quinn, because <laughs> she's like the Joker's That's fling. also kind of hot. Actually, now that I think about it, it's a good point. <laughs> Folks, if you haven't seen Suicide Squad, do not worry. We're going to give you everything that you need to know to enjoy today's episode. Basically, we're just going to do a bunch of superhero riffs. It's, it's going to be cool. But to be at least a little bit on theme here, we are going to try to keep it to the DC universe. So we're talking universe of Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, all of them, you know. And Andre, mm -hmm. by the way, Andre, thank you for being on the show today. I thank you for having me. I'm currently clad in a spandex wolfskin. Nice. <laughs> you haven't seen Suicide Squad, right? I have not seen most superhero movies, so no. So listeners, you're in good company if you haven't seen it. Yeah. So to help all of you guys out, here's the just basic rundown of Suicide Squad. Superman is dead, and the government needs somebody to fight superpowered threats. So they haul a bunch of villains out of jail and say, hey, we'll commute your sentence if you go and fight these guys. Mm. That's the whole plot of the movie, and that's all we need to know. Oh, now I want to see it. That sounds great. <laughs> but that's all we need to know to enjoy today's right. episode. Yeah. Okay. The main thing is it's from the perspective of the villains. Just like today, it's going to be perspective of the berserkers, which in most sagas are the villains. Right. Yeah. Even though in real history... That probably wasn't the case. By the time they get to the sagas, because of the Christian hit job and all that propaganda and everything that we've already talked about, they ended up cast as the baddies. So today, we are going to embrace that. <laughs> We're going to own that shit. Right. We're going to root for the bad guys. We're going to root for the guys in black. <laughs> That's going to be our episode today. Excellent. All right? I love it. <laughs> so our tale today as I said, is Gungahrolf's saga. <laughs> I, I'm, what I'm does Gungahrolf mean? <laughs> I'll tell you. Okay, great. <laughs> it means like walking or hiking. The hero, Hrolf, is a guy who's so big that he can't be carried by horseback for any length of time. Like, he can ride it for a very short time, <laughs> but like, he can't ride cross country. Right. So they call him Hiking Hrolf, or Hrolf Walker. So really, we could just say this is called, like, Hrolf's Big Hike. <laughs> like Pee-wee's Big Adventure? Exactly, yeah. yeah that's, that's a superhero theme. Come on. <laughs> Get in the game. It's a Boy Scout movie. <laughs> okay, so Gunga Hrolf's Saga was written by an anonymous Icelandic author from the 14th century, which is about a century later than most of the sagas we get. Hmm. And 
it isn't really trying to be very historical anymore. It's less of like this kind of gritty saga and more like a romance almost. It feels kind of like an Arthurian romance almost. And there's mm. these weird anachronisms like kings and princesses and castles and jousting. It's it's weird that this is a Viking tale, but that's okay because in the superhero universe, everything is okay being next to everything. You can have a Norse god like Thor next to a tech hero like Iron Man, right. and somehow it works. Yeah. So that's today. <laughs> All right. Now, we're not going to pay much attention to Hrolf. He's the hero of their story, mm. but not our story. He's not our joker. But just to give you a little background, the only thing that he has going for him other than his enormous size and the sheer grace of luck is that he's got these magic cloaks from his mom that make him invulnerable to piercing and slashing weapons, but not <laughs> bludgeoning weapons. Okay, so pretty berserker-themed. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing, is he's not a berserker, right? but he has these weird kind of echoes of berserker. Yeah. They're kind of weird, like, funhouse reflections of right. each other. Yeah. Meanwhile, in this story, there's something like 19 berserkers that are named. There's actually more than that, but Ooh. 19 of them, we get actual names of them. And in textbook saga-style fashion, there's not a single one of them that survives till the end of the story. <laughs> so in it really fact, is a suicide squad of berserkers. It really is a suicide yeah. squad of berserkers, yes. In fact, to help us keep track of all these berserkers, we've got something very special. We have the berserker alarm. What? <laughs> yes. So Andre... Yes. Could you please demonstrate the berserker alarm? Yes. Every time the bell rings, the berserker gets its wings. Every time we get the name oh, of the yes. berserker for the first time. Great. Yep. Then we'll ring the bell. <laughs> Is that the Batman theme? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. Okay, you ready for this? I'm ready. Okay. Our movie does not begin with Hrolf, because fuck him, right? <laughs> Instead, we jump straight into our first berserkers. Mm. Okay, so imagine the screen is black, and subtitles announce our location. The Rus, sometime during the Viking Age. So we're in modern-day Russia, Ukraine, right. that kind of region, right? Yeah. And we hear... <laughs> howling like wolves. Finally, imagery sparks across the screen, and we see an invading army formed up on the battlefield, and we see that the howling is not that of wolves, but, of course, a troop of elite warriors shouting and biting the rims of their shields in unison. These are Berserkers. So these are the elites that are spearheading the army of Eric, the Sea King. Hmm. He heads an army that comes from Sweden. Now that's historically significant because hmm. Sweden historically stayed pagan longer than most of the other Scandinavian areas. Attaboy, Sweden. And therefore, perhaps, may have kept their berserker tradition alive a little bit longer. And in a lot of the sagas, all the berserkers are, for some reason, from Sweden. So it's just like, the sagas are littered with like a pile of Swedish berserker corpses. Yeah. 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 Now, Eric himself is not a berserker, but he has plenty in his employ. Here is how the saga describes them. 
In his army, Eric had a large number of berserks and champions, four of them mentioned by name. Get the berserker alarm ready, right? Right. Two were brothers, one called Sorkvir, and the other Brynjolf. They were big and strong and ugly to deal with, sorcerers so brimful of witchcraft that they could blunt weapons in battle. Which is another common mm. berserker power, right? Sorkvir was the stronger of the two, and a great man at jousting. The third berserk was a kinsman of Eric, a big strong man called Thord, and nicknamed Lasso Pate. His family belonged to Lasso Island in Denmark, where he'd grown up. Now, this is my favorite berserker of all time. <laughs> I mentioned him in the first episode. Right, yeah. Yeah, so he has got this bald pate, this bald head, like Lex Luthor, right? Or somebody. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> and there's something magical about his bald head, which we will see in a second. But first, we have to hear about his blood brother. Hmm. He had a blood brother called Grim Agir, a powerful and thoroughly evil man. Now, Grim is not a berserker, hmm. but he's badass aplenty. Let's hear about that. No one knew Grim's background or his family, for he'd been found on the beach at Lasso Island, and his nature was utterly different from any other man's. He used to eat raw meat and drink the blood of beasts. Mm. Some people think that Grimm's mother must have been a sea ogress, for he could travel at will in both sea and fresh water. That's why he was called Grimm Agir. Agir meaning ocean in Old Norse. Mm. Yes. So his name is Grimm Ocean. <laughs> <laughs> and he's this sorcerer. And he is truly one effed up dude in this mm. saga. So I can think of no one better to cast him as here than Jared Leto's The Joker. So I'm imagining this guy as like white faced, leering, got mm. the gold capped teeth, oh, yeah. and just sickly green hair and those long Viking braids. Green Viking braids. That's what I'm imagining. Oh, that's wow. <laughs> so good. So good. Yeah. All right, so these are the elite warriors of Eric's invading army. These and more to come are our suicide swords. Ooh. Now, opposing them on the other side of the battlefield are the defenders of the Rus, the good guys. Boo! <laughs> lame. <laughs> and leading them is King Hregvid, who is kind of the Superman of the story. We'll see why. And he has all this amazing gear. He's got a sword that never fails to hit its mark. He's got chainmail that literally shines like silver, mm. a shield that no iron can bite, and a lance that, when it's struck against the shield, rings out, signaling victory in the battle to come. But here's the thing. This morning, before the battle, the lance failed to ring out. <laughs> Superman's going down. Ooh. Now, the two armies charge at each other. And here is how the saga describes it. The fiercest of battles began, with hewing and slashing, shot and stone. Each army marched up to the enemy ranks, shouting and urging their companions forward. Bodies fell tumbling one on top of the other as King Eric's berserk strode ahead, chopping up King Hregvid's troops as if they were firewood. Yeah, berserkers! Yeah. Seeing this, Sigurd Woolstring... <laughs> That's his name. Okay. Sigurd Woolstring. <laughs> like a string of wool? I guess. Huh. Hmm. Hacked away right and left through to Thord Lazopate and swung at him. But Thord put his pate in the way of the stroke. 
and the sword made not the least impression. So he parried the blow with his Ooh, head. Ooh, wow. Okay. <laughs> then Thord gave Sigurd his death blow, and he fell like a true hero. So then, at that point, King Hregvid, the one in the dazzling armor with all the great gear, the Superman of our story, he sees this, and we get the slow motion, you know, the... Right? And the king rushes over <laughs> to, like, protect and avenge him, right? Mm -hmm. And it says, He spurred his horse forward hard, hacking and hewing to right and left at men and horses, clearing a path through them all. The sword bit everything as if it were slicing through water, sometimes cutting down two or three men at a single stroke, both arms drenched with blood to the very shoulders, King Hregvid rode forward in fury right up to King Eric's banner, which, of course, has got to be, like, black with a skull or something on it, right? <laughs> yes. Of course it does. Giant fist or yep. something. Yeah. <laughs> just, just a F-U middle <laughs> finger. middle finger banner. <laughs> <laughs> I assume that when the king... What's the... I mean, Hregvald? So the defenders the of The good Rus guy king. Hregvid. Hregvid. I'm assuming that when Hregvid gets up to near King Eric, yeah. that Grimm just opens up a little box with some green rock inside. Oh, you just wait. Okay. You just wait. Great. It might not come as quickly as you want, but okay. you just wait. Okay. Okay. So, he charges up, right? Grimm, Aegir, and Thord struck at him together as he came up to them, but so bravely did the king defend himself that he suffered not the slightest wound. Hmm. Then Grimm began to belch out such a quantity of witchcraft that the king's horse faltered and almost fell. And when it says he belches out witchcraft, later in the story it spells it out more clearly. He actually lurches up venom. It's just Ooh. like this kind of like noxious belch, this oh, no great. noxious barf that just so is good. acidic or something. King Hregvid jumped from his horse's back and hacked away on either hand. He piled the corpses of his victims so high around him that the carnage reached up to his waist. Then with both hands he struck at Grim Agir, who warded off the stroke with his breath, blowing the sword from Hregvid's grip. Ooh. So he actually like is... <laughs> <laughs> yes! Disarms him with his breath. He's so good. Yeah. The king then <laughs> grabbed an axe and striking Thord's pate with the back of it, mm. remember he's not invulnerable Ooh. to bludgeoning damage, right. Knocked him out for some time. With a running jump, he leapt over the pile of dead. King Eric came hewing with his sword at King Hrigvid, but it broke at the hilt and didn't bite into the armor. Then Grim Agir lunged with his sword up under the corslet and right through him. The king fell bravely with honor. Hmm. Now, when the defending army sees this, they're like, Superman's dead! What do they do? Of course, they, they panic, mm -hmm. right? They just, they split and run, and the fleeing soldiers are cut down one after another. Blood sprays, blood spills, blood fills the field. And then there is silence, interrupted only by the crowing of ravens. So that is the opening scene of our oh. movie. <laughs> that, is so that sets the backdrop for this story. The Rus has been invaded by this Eric, the Swedish sea king, mm -hmm. and his berserkers, and they've slain Superman, this King Hregvid. Now, the rest of the story is going to play out the consequences of this battle. So, meanwhile, off in Norway, in a place called Ringerike, the hero of our story, Hralf, sets out... Fuck him, because this is our story. <laughs> so back to the Berserkers. 
Okay, back to the Rus. Inside the defeated King Hrigvid's castle, which I imagine, like Superman's, you know, Fortress of Solitude, you know, mm-hmm. that ice fortress that he has. Oh, it would totally be nice yeah. fortress. Because yeah. it's Russia, right? Right, yeah. Yeah. So, but based on the name, this guy, he's in Russia, but he's also some kind of Scandinavian well, that's, in Russia. That's the right? thing about the Rus, right? Mm-hmm. Russia was developed, let's say, by Vikings. Viking sense. traders. Yeah. Like, they came in in kind of like a Dutch East India Company kind of way. They kind of, like, established trade towns, and then that kind of, like, created networks of, like, higher orders of, like, social structure Mm -hmm. that weren't there before, and kind of just developed the region and made it into a, like, modern for the time. Yeah. So, yeah, they're kind of like the top dogs in the Rus at the time. Cool. Okay. So, yeah. So, back to the Rus. Inside the defeated King Hregvid's castle, that's like the Fortress of Solitude, Thord... And grim, their faces still spattered with the crimson spray of blood, drain horns of ale in the presence of their leader, Eric the Sea King. As Eric and Thord and Grimm are all enjoying themselves after the battle, suddenly a woman with golden hair down to her ankles is dragged into the throne room and set before Eric. Grimm chuckles all joker-like. He nudges Thord and hisses, That's Ingegerd. The only child of King Hregvid. And Thord feels like the big bump on his head, right? Because he got knocked in the noggin by King Hregvid. And he's like, oh yeah, I hate that guy. (laughs) (laughs) So what ensues here is a scene that essentially sets up the fairy tale romance plot of the saga. Now it's far more complicated than we need to go into. It's okay if you're like reading the whole long thing, but we don't need this, right? I'm just going to give you this super fast micro-machines man kind of gist, right? <laughs> okay, so here it goes. Eric wants legitimacy to cement his rule of the land that he's just conquered, so he wants to marry Ingigerd. But she threatens to kill herself unless he agrees to her demands. Long story short, they strike a deal. All her father's amazing gear will be buried with him as grave goods, and the marriage will be put off for three years, during which time the princess will try to get a hero to joust Eric's berserker, Sorkvir. Why joust in the Viking saga? Who knows? This was written in the 14th century, and it's not the most historically accurate. But in any case, if no one can unseat Sorkvir after three years, Ingigerd agrees to marry Eric... But if Sorkvir is defeated, Eric has to pack up with all his men and go home. Hmm. <laughs> okay, that's the fairy tale. Wow. So, some so what ha- happens to all the grave goods? I, I thought like buried for X amount of time, and then someone gets it. So, so this is the clever part on Ingigerd's part. So mm-hmm. I get a little, little little bit of props to her. Yeah. Because she's not just a damsel in distress here. What she's doing is smart. Right. So by asking for this, she's drawing on custom, mm-hmm. saying like, "My father was a king." It's only appropriate that he has a lavish burial with mm. all these grave goods. But what she's accomplishing is that King Eric cannot use that amazing gear against her mm. if she tries to counter-strike. Right. Okay. Then she says, oh, okay, we're going to have to do this thing where the wedding is put off for three years and I have to find somebody to joust your guy, etc. And after that, if, if it doesn't go right, I'll marry you. But basically she's buying time right. to raise an army. Yeah. And, like, Counter-Strike. That's great. Right? We didn't need to shoehorn that in. She's a totally three-dimensional character. I love yeah. this lady. Yeah. 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 I think she's really great. Also, yeah. her hair's down to her ankles, and I imagine in a superhero movie, she's probably, like, using them, like, tentacles to grab Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. Yeah. She's, like, serving ale with them. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. I'm also picturing that she can levitate, and the hair looks really badass, like, kind of zero-G behind her in this big halo. <laughs> nice. Yeah. So it's all just floating. Yeah. yeah. Okay, nice. So, now, 
Eric agrees to this, and Grim Ager just does a complete face palm. <laughs> but here's the thing. It specifies in the saga that Eric has fallen head over heels in love with this Ingegerd because she's so beautiful and she's got this luscious <laughs> hair. Oh, my God. So he agrees, and Grim Ager is like, oh, God. But he comes up with a clever plan to counter her clever plan. Hmm. Okay? So here's what he's got. And I'm going to do this in Micro Machines version again, okay? Doesn't say Berserker. It's not the real thing. <laughs> okay. Grim proposes they cast a spell so that no one can defeat Sorkvir unless they have Hrigvid's armor, which, as said, will be conveniently buried inside the mound. Then they'll build the mound like a fortress so it's impossible to break into and then invite any would-be princess rescuing heroes to quest after the armor for Eric, asking them to break into the mound. Does he They'll, propose this publicly so she knows this is going to No, this is among no, his own henchmen. Yeah, okay. yeah, this is after she's dragged him. <clears throat> right. They'll almost certainly die in the attempt, any of these stupid heroes that try, but if by chance they do succeed, they'll hand over the armor to Eric to complete the quest and collect their experience points, and voila, Eric will have the armor. Either way, it's either buried and out of her hands or in his hands. So he anticipates that even with the spell making this the one weakness, he'd still be able to beat them and get the armor from them. Yeah. <laughs> So, so this is like the part of the super villain movie where there's an elaborate plan. Oh, wow. Grimm is come up, coming up with this plotty hands thing in order to save Eric from... There are too many cooks in the evil kitchen on this <laughs> <laughs> Somebody on this team has to speak out like, guys, we're Vikings. Just carry her off. It's good. We'll just do it. Right. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, long story short. Here's all you need to know about the plot of the story. Right. Some jerk has to joust Sorkvir to rescue the princess, and if he's not wearing Hregvid's armor when he does it, he's certain to lose. Got End. Mm -hmm. Okay? Yeah. That's it. In any case, at this point, Eric figures that he's got this thing sewn up tight. You know, he's just like, done. All he has to do is kick back, chill for three years, and then he'll have everything that he wants. But of course, that's not quite how it goes. Now we're going to do a cut scene. <laughs> yep. A short while later, a few months perhaps, a messenger arrives from Sweden, bearing news of an up-and-coming hero on the march. Eric and Thord and Grimm perk up their ears to see if this guy is going to be a threat that they need to worry about, and the messenger tells the story. Now, I'm actually adding in the messenger so that we can get, you know, right, the right. perspective of what's happening on... That's good. Yeah. But otherwise, this is faithful to the story. So, the messenger starts to tell the story, and then as viewers of this movie, we have the, like, the wavy screen, the doodly-doo, and then it's mm -hmm. like the flashback that he's telling the story of, right? Yep. Okay. So, our movie cuts to a shoreline scene, and the subtitles announce that we are now in Gotland in southern Sweden. Hmm. We see a Viking longship. Here is how the saga describes this ship. It was a big longship, with the awnings up from stem to stern. There was a gangway ashore, and above it a fire was burning, where people were cooking their meal. So it's like docked, and there's like a, whatever, the walkway, mm -hmm. right? And then at the end of the walkway, like on shore, that's where these guys are making their meal. Now, aboard the ship, sitting in the poop is... Which it's... is the deck at the back. Right. Yeah. It is is its captain sitting there, a man with an ugly look about him, it says. And his name is Yolger. Yes. That is our next berserker. Here is what his men say about him in secret when he's not listening. 
anyone who served Yolgar would get the worst of the bargain. He's a berserk, brimful of witchcraft, and iron can't bite him. He's a rough man and hard to deal with. There's 80 of us aboard, but we don't serve him by choice. He killed our leader, who owned this ship, and he's forced us to swear loyalty to him, all through trickery and witchcraft. Nice. Wow. Yeah. I was I was going to make a joke that, like, every time he tells someone, like, I'll meet you in the poop, all his men kind of <laughs> snicker. But I don't think they snicker at this guy. Well, uh, maybe. Okay, so I'm going to picture this guy as Captain Boomerang. And if you don't know who that is, that's why I'm picturing him as Captain Boomerang. Because right. this guy is going to be out of the picture in, like, a second here, right? He He's is... not in the poop for long. Out of the poop and into the shitter. Captain Boomerang is in the movie Suicide Squad in the comics that it's drawn from. And his only power is that he throws boomerangs and he's from Australia. <laughs> as far as I understand. <laughs> okay. Wow. So Yolgar is our Captain Boomerang. So from Captain Boomerang's vantage point. Wait, he wears a crocodile skin when he shapeshifts. <laughs> or a kangaroo. Kangaroo skin? He's got a kangaroo yeah. skin instead of a wolf skin. Exactly. Yeah. And he's probably got, like, his sword is crescent-shaped like a boomerang or something. Oh, I love it, yeah. So, from his vantage point aboard the ship, Yolgar looks down at his men on shore cooking their meal, and then he sees them approached by a figure in a very peculiar cloak. Now, here's where we finally get to see the quote-unquote hero hmm. of our story. Now, remember, he is a big, hulking man, always on foot, and he's wearing this bizarre cloak. And here's how the saga describes the cloaks. He's in fact got two of them. He only wears one at a time and carries the other around his arm for some reason. And they're both magic or just one? They're both magic. And Great. of these cloaks, it says, Iron couldn't bite them, nor could venom spoil them. They were long and wide with sleeves and a hood and a mask to cover the face. So the cloak has a mask like Batman. That's so good. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But I just like that he has a super suit. <laughs> I love it. I yeah. love it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Anyway, from Yolgar's vantage point on the ship, he watches this odd stranger interact with his men. There's a brief conversation, and then they point up toward Yolgar. On the poop. On the poop. And the masked figure then boards the ship. And the and whole ship just tilts to one side <laughs> under his weight. <laughs> right. It's like, good thing the awnings are up. <laughs> yeah. And him being on the back, he's like lifted up, right? <laughs> so the stranger walks up to Yolgar, and the ship writes itself, you know? Yeah. And then the stranger says, to do like a... A Batman Bat voice. Yeah, Batman voice, but in Norse. We need to right? talk about the poop. <laughs> and here's the great thing, is he doesn't introduce himself as Rolf. Hmm. Okay, so he says, I'm called Stigandi. Now, Stigandi <laughs> means Strider in Old Norse. <laughs> so he even gives himself a super name. He's Strider. Wow. Yeah. So anyway, I'm called Stigandi. And what I need is to serve good masters. I'm quite willing to do anything. That needs to be done, but I am no fighting man. I've heard good reports of you that you're a great chieftain and generous man with food to anyone who needs it. Yes. Yolgar says, You've been told the truth about me being free with food. <laughs> All the men are doing like a like a no, no, silently <laughs> in the background. But I don't like your looks. You strike me as dangerous. Still, you can join us if you want. <laughs> Strider is, like, dangerous, and his foot just, like, breaks through the floorboards <laughs> of the deck, like, oh. <laughs> right. So that summer, Hrolf joins them, and they go on a Viking expedition, robbing farmers and merchants. And Hrolf, like, almost, he doesn't do any of the fighting, really. He just kind of hangs back. 
but proves particularly loose with his purse during this time. He keeps handing out silver to all the men so that they start to like him, but of course, this does not please at all Yolgir, the mm. leader, right? Right. And finally, one night... So he's also rich like Batman. Yeah, he's yeah he's also yeah. a millionaire playboy, apparently, <laughs> at this point. Finally, he can take it no longer. One night, Yolgir creeps up on this masked Stigandi with a sword. That's this crescent-shaped boomerang sword, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And the saga says, He saw where Stigandi was lying fast asleep, snoring by the embers. Yolgir flew into a rage, raised the sword, and using it both hands, struck at his waist. He was using his berserker rage, right? Mm. The stroke would have killed him had the cloak not protected him. The blow woke him up. He jumped to his feet while Yolgir tried to strike him again, this time on the head. He went for Yolgir, who was ready for him, and a fierce fight began between them. Yolgir kept pressing him hard, but he retreated, backing towards the sea, until they both plunged down over a cliff and into the water. Wow. I think it must be a very low cliff, because they're, like, at shore. Right, right. Yeah. So I'm picturing that when they fall off the cliff, mm-hmm. Strider's utility belt fires off a grappling hook. He uh-huh. grabs the cliff, and he gets <laughs> yeah, caught in the air, and he catches the captain by one hand. Uh-huh. And they're kind of looking at each other, like, what are we going to do? And the captain throws the boomerang that snaps the grappling cord, and they oh, both fall into the good. ocean. Okay, yeah. that's excellent. Yeah. Okay, perfect. <laughs> so they're both in the water. And then it says... Each tried to hold the other under, and for a long they stayed submerged. Many a time they plunged down. Nobody chose to join in the struggle, though everyone favored Stigandi. Eventually, the two stopped fighting and made their way back to the shore, where Stigandi managed to scramble to his feet. It shelved very steeply to a sheer drop below the waterline. Stigandi stood waist-deep, but Yolgar couldn't touch bottom. Stigandi grabbed him by the shoulders, held him underwater, <laughs> and kept him there till he drowned. Wow. And then he just walks on shore, looks at everybody and goes, I'm Strider. (laughs) And that was the end of Yolgir the Berserker, Captain Boomerang. Upon his demise, all of Yolgir's men cheered, and (laughs) Rolf says, I suppose you'll want to have me as your leader now instead of Yolgir. I would love to have to, like, oh, no, normally we take a vote. (laughs) (laughs) No, they take him as their ship's captain. (laughs) Yep. And then we come out of the flashback. So upon hearing all of this from the Swedish messenger, Eric and Thord and Grimm are like, hmm, this upstart hero is cutting down our berserker brethren. At some point, we may have to deal with this prosthetic do-gooder. But for now, eh, he's way off in Sweden, and we've got more pressing things like locking down the roost and ruling it with an iron fist. So we're just going to bide our time. I'm just picturing them all going to the same, like, berserker, like, secret Facebook group. Like, somebody (laughs) shared a picture of, like, a little ghost wolf that they erected at the rocks near where he was drowned, you know. It's like, oh, another berserker down. Oh, Oh, right. Yeah. And it's like, never forget. Exactly, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Okay, very nice. So they just bide their time. But a few months after that, a Danish messenger arrives. Now, if you know your geography, Prolf started off in Norway. Mm -hmm. Then next we see him in Sweden. Now we're getting reports back from Denmark, so he's making his way, you know, toward Russia. Got it. Okay. Right. So, a Danish messenger arrives with news of a hero in the same strange masked cloak. It seems this hero had entered the service of a Danish earl, one Earl Thorgny, and was performing exploits in his name. Once again, 
Eric and Thord and Grimm perk up their ears and they listen to the messenger's story. And again, right? We get the cut to the flashback by the messenger. This time, we see a fleet of sailing longships packed with menacing warriors, swords at the ready, and the subtitles announce Jutland in Denmark. Hmm. This fleet is led by Trigvi, and we need our berserker alarm. This is our fifth berserker of the story. Nice. Now, Trigvi is a man's name, but I think it's high time that we get a woman character in here that's actually going to do something. And it'd be great to once in a while get a berserker that's a woman. Yes. Which never showed up in the sagas. Maybe they existed, maybe they didn't, but we don't so know. So now it's Trigvita. Trigvita. Okay, so Trigvita. So I'm going to picture this Trigvita. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to cast her as a shield maiden, which we heard in a previous episode is a female warrior, which probably never existed as a thing, right. as a category of warrior shield maiden. That part might have been made up, but we heard lots of stories where women did take up arms. Mm. So they're badass women. Right. Maybe not shield maidens, but anyway, that's the kind of woman and that she's shield maiden there, meaning right? that they just carry shields or that they full on fight? They just fight. Okay, got that's, it. That's, 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 the, that's the whole thing about yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. And specifically, I'm going to cast her as a shield maiden clad all in green because I'm Ooh. seeing her like, you know what I'm going to say? No, I don't know. Super villains. Poison Ivy. Oh, I do know that one. Yeah. Okay, great. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, oh, that's awesome. So she's a Poison Ivy shield maiden. Yes. And like Poison Ivy, she has a chip on her shoulder because, you know, Poison Ivy, is her character is all about getting revenge for the plants. <laughs> so. so we got a Poison Ivy shield maiden. Exactly. Trigvita. Yes. That's so good. I yeah. love it. Okay. So now the, the saga says... Trigvita. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Trigvita was a great warrior and berserk. Thorgni, which is the earl that Hrolf is now employed by, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Thorgni had killed Trigvita's father when he was on a Viking expedition. Ooh. By this time, Trigvita had acquired 12 ships, all of them well manned and well armed, and with this fleet, she sailed to Denmark to take revenge on Earl Thorgni for her father. Now, when those in Jutland in Denmark hear of this impending attack, they send ships out to meet her. On board is none other than that blasted masked do-gooder, Stigandi. He's actually going by Hrolf by this point in this. I don't know why he gives up his super name. It's kind of like uh, Tony Stark. Sometimes he's just like, no, I want everybody to know that it's Tony Stark in the Iron Man costume, you know, <laughs> that kind right. of a hero. Right. So Hrolf is on the ship, and he's given his other magic cloak to the Earl's son, Stafnir. Okay. Yeah. So there's not one, but two. And to continue the Iron Man metaphor here, even mm-hmm. though that's Marvel Universe, you know how there's the second Iron Man suit? It's like gray and like Rhodey, his friend, goes in it. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's kind of like that. Nice. Now there's two of them. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, the Viking battle at sea now happens. They didn't waste any time on formalities, and at once the fighting began. Trigvita and Vazi, which is her brother, mm-hmm had a big dragon-headed longship and were formidable enemies. The dragon ship was hard to attack because of its height, and its crew kept pelting stones down on Hrolf and his men. Now, that's actually a tactic that was historically used Mm. in Viking sea battles. You wanted the gunwales, the sides of your ship, to be higher... What? The gunwales. Okay. Yeah. Gunwales, thank you. You want those to be higher than your enemy's ship, for pretty much the same reason that you want your mm. castle walls to be higher than the invading 
people, you know? Right. It's harder for them to scale your ship walls, and you can throw things down on them. Many of them were killed and others wounded so that the battle began to go against them. But Stefner and Hrolf were wearing Verfreya's cloaks, that's the magic cloaks, and there wasn't a weapon could hurt them. Then they laid their ship alongside the dragon and attacked it fiercely. In the thick of battle, Hrolf left aboard the forepart of the dragon ship and went hard at the enemy, thrusting with his spear so fiercely that the men in his way who weren't knocked flat were skewered upon it. Stefner followed close on his heels, striking out to right and left, and before long they'd completely cleared the forepart of the deck. Then they made their way aft, one on each side, with the enemy all backing off toward the mast. Then at that point, Trigvita and her brother Vazi see this, and then they're like, we gotta get in there, and they go hard at Stefner and Hrolf. First, Vazi manages to break Hrolf's shield, hmm. and meanwhile, Hrolf loses his spear, and he has to defend himself with a mere club. Hmm. Vazi threw himself at Hrolf, almost knocking him flat. Hrolf dropped the club and grappled with him so long and hard, it seemed to him that, apart from men in a berserk fit, he'd never wrestled with anyone stronger. In the end, however, Hrolf managed to inch him over to the gunnel, the wall of the ship, <laughs> and broke his back on it. Ooh! Yes. Wow. We're in a PG-13 movie. Yeah, apparently. for sure. All this time, Stefner and Trigvita had been fighting, too, with sheer weariness, and with all the blows he had taken, Stefner was on his last legs, but he was still unhurt, whereas Trigvita was badly wounded. Then, Trigvita sees that her brother Vasi is dead, and that Hrolf is now coming at him, too, so she's going to have to fight two at once, hmm. and she just decides, this bird's been cooked, and then it says, she dived straight overboard without bothering to wait. It was too dark to search for her, and by this time, the battle was over. So, she just dives into the water and wow. swims off? I suppose it's hard to get off a poison kiss in a melee. Yeah, probably yeah. true. So, the berserker gets away. Okay. Remember that. Right. For later in the story. Great. <laughs> okay. And we because now... she's a lightly armored, like, green leotard berserker, she doesn't get sunk by her armor. Oh, good. Yeah. Good tie-in. <laughs> yes. Okay, so now we... Come out of the flashback, and we're back in the Rus again, mm -hmm. having just heard this story from the Danish messenger. Now, Eric and Thord and Grimm, upon hearing this story, are starting to get anxious. This hero keeps on winning, and he's made his way from Norway to Sweden to Denmark, and the Rus could be next. So they're like, we gotta do something, right? And pretty soon, a final messenger arrives and says, indeed, the masked hero is on his way. In fact, his lord, Earl Thordney, somehow has gotten hold of a strand of Ingegerd's golden hair. So the princess's golden hair that's like right. down to her ankles. Yeah. And it was delivered quite implausibly in the beak of a swallow. <laughs> that's just what happens in the story. And immediately this earl fell in love. So now there's two people in love with Ingegerd. She's almost the poison ivy. Hmm. And now he's sent his men to go win her hand for him. And this masked Avenger has taken up the quest and is now headed to the Rus. So now he and Eric both mm -hmm. lust after the same woman. Yep. So he's presumably going to have to go get some magic armor out of a fortified tomb and go joust him. Yes. So Hrolf is going to have to get the magic armor right. out of the tomb. Exactly. To win Ingegerd's hand on behalf of the Earl who's staying back in Denmark. Because that's how you did it back in the day. Right. You had somebody go woo for you. Yeah. So, now it's really high time to do something about this guy, okay? 
So, Grimm decides to solve the problem in a properly villainous way. Hmm. With a minion. (laughs) (laughs) Of course he does. (laughs) So he lies down on the floor, and he uses his magic to project his spirit into the dream of some poor, sleeping Danish farm boy. By this the is name. the equivalent of like just going to like a, a job board and looking for a VA that you can hire. It's like, I'm just going to dream project myself. Who's the cheapest one? Well, probably this farm kid. He enters the dream of this farm boy. His name is William in the story, which I don't know why. It's a Danish guy. speaks would be like Wilhelm or something at hmm. least, but his name's William. Will, oh, William. William. Okay. Yeah. Which I'm assuming is Danish for like John. It's actually like Norman for William. <laughs> yeah. Like the William the Conqueror. Yeah. Right. Just joking. Yeah, but the Normans were Norse, so I don't know. Hmm. Okay, so anyway, this William, this farm boy, has had a tough life. He's hardly got enough to eat. And Grimm, in his dream, tells him that he shows great promise Hmm. and has a great future if only he would go out and seek it. And he says, I'll give you more strength than you've ever had before, as well as weapons and fine clothes, and lots of other things. <laughs> and in return, you're to go and find Rolf Sturlogson and try to kill him. <laughs> <laughs> Why would this work? <laughs> I don't know. He's, He's a villain. That's how, have. that's how villains think. Right, right. I don't know. He's just on his way to Russia and means to run off with the princess. If he's not done away with... He'll cause no end of trouble. Maybe we'll be able to change your luck so that he'll be killed and you'll become King Herrick's brother-in-law. <laughs> and then Grimm gives him a drink from a magic horn, I guess like inside the dream, and William feels power surging up Ooh. in him. And Grimm also... Outside the dream, somehow, leaves weapons and armor next to his bedside. So mm. then he wakes up, he sees them, and is like, oh, it's all a dream. Wait, what? Oh. <laughs> I like that that seems consistent with, like, dream visitation spells. Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, we physically gave you some stuff. Yeah. I love it. And that, that's all in the story. It's, like, just from a different perspective right. is how it's cast. Then Grimm, back in the Roos, like, he comes out of this dream projection He's on the floor, and he laughs maniacally, all Joker-like, and does his plotty fingers in self-satisfaction. He's set up this so perfectly. Nothing could possibly go wrong. (laughs) (laughs) One non-Berserker minion against the guy who kills Berserkers, no problem. Now, also, I have to imagine that if Grimm has the ability to project his spirit into William's dreams, he probably can also scry on William. So this part I am going to add, just so we can have William's perspective now. Right. Okay? So he's seeing through William's eyes in these parts of the movie. Here's what happens. So William approaches Rolf on the road and tries to kill him. But to Grimm's dismay, Rolf proves too strong. Oh, couldn't have seen it coming. (laughs) But William's not out of the game yet. He begs for mercy and he pledges to be Rolf's servant. What? Sidekick. Oh, 
if he'll only spare his life. But this is actually just a clever ploy to lure him into his trap, because pretty soon, Prolf wakes up in this weird bondage scene where he's naked and tied to a beam before a great roaring fire, like a big fireplace or pit or something, and William threatens to burn Hrolf to death if he doesn't become his servant. And incidentally, this scene is kind of reminiscent of Berserkers, like, in their mastery over fire, you know? So, Hrolf is currently tied up in a rope, hanging over a burning pit of lava, being slowly lowered in. That's what I'm picturing. Something like that, yes. Hrolf begrudgingly agrees to be William's sidekick. Now, Now, I want to cut back really quickly to Grimm. Okay. Who, I'm just picturing this is what really happened, right? Grimm told the GM really, like, okay, I'm going to cast, like, Dream Recruit. <laughs> and the GM's like, what? We never you can what do you even know the rules for that? Do you have to look it up? He's like, no, no, no. We roll on this table, and there's a lot of badass options and some shitty ones, so we'll see what kind of minion I get. Uh-huh. He rolls on the table, he rolls a one, which is farmer, <laughs> like, and he's like, fail. Oh god, come on, really? <laughs> and then but in the dream he gets to do a charisma roll to see how loyal the guy is, and he just nails it. Yeah. Right. And like that's that. how he gets William, the surprisingly competent and loyal farmer. Yeah. He's just watching this and like, Beautiful. yes, yeah, I yeah. thought we'd lost on this farmer, but yeah. yeah. So Hrolf agrees to be William's sidekick now. Then the two of them travel together and they make it to the Roos and they show up on Eric's doorstep at the Fortress of Solitude. And following the plan, Eric charges them with the quest to retrieve King Hragvid's armor from the burial mound, hoping that they'll die on the way, right? Mm-hmm. That becomes a whole adventure in itself. We're not going to go into it. But <laughs> suffice to say, they do it. Okay. They get the armor and all the other gear out of there. Right. And when Eric asks Hrolf to hand over the armor, Hrolf does hand him a set of armor that he found in the mound. But see, here's the thing. Ingigerd's cleverer than the average Viking woman, right? <laughs> right. Before they covered up the burial mound, she secretly hid mm. a second set of armor that was not magical right. in the mound. She's such a good dungeon designer. <laughs> so good. That's yeah. some Gygax stuff. Yeah. So when Hrolf goes into the burial mound, he's mm. met by the ghost of King Hregvid that somehow knows <laughs> that he's the good guy. And so right. he just gives him the good armor and tells him, here's what you're going to do, right? Okay. Okay. But why is why is William letting any of this happen? So that currently Hrolf is quote-unquote working. For- okay, so here's the thing. So William is actually a super coward, mm. and he he just tells everybody that he's accomplishing all the adventures, and he lets Hrolf do everything. So Hrolf <laughs> is actually doing this in the mound all by himself. So we got Grimm's hopes up briefly with a very cunning minion who turns out <laughs> yes. not that great. Nope. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So anyway, Hrolf hands over a set of armor, but obviously not the good armor, just the normal armor. And Eric is like, oh, the plan worked perfectly. And Mm. he locks away what he thinks is the magic armor, the only armor that can help someone defeat Sorkvir in the joust. And then he's like, aha, everything is going off without a hitch. Okay, so you're supposed to go get the real armor from the tomb, Come and give the real armor to King Eric, which completes your quest. You get quest XP. But the only way that someone, who could be you or somebody else, can defeat Eric's man would be wearing the armor that you just handed over. But luckily, there was fake armor as well as real armor. And luckily, the ghost of the dead guy was like, hey, here's the deal about the armor. So, Hrolf, who is quote-unquote working for William, hands over the fake armor, which Eric thinks is the real armor. But Hrolf, like, puts on the actual real armor and is like, by the way, let's joust. Exactly. Okay, got it. Okay. Jeez. Yeah. Wow. You got that. Okay. So here is uh, now the scene with the joust with Sorkvir. Now, so this is the third year since the beginning of this whole deal, Mm -hmm. right? And hitherto, 
no one has been brave enough to face Sorkvir, the Berserker, in a joust. Because they could die. Yeah, right? They could just yeah. straight up die in a right. joust, even though that's not the point of a joust. Yeah, joust are um, nuts. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm imagining as this muscle-bound, like, ripple-pecked villain, like Bane or something. You know, the kind of guy that could break Batman, you know? Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so nobody has been brave enough to face Sorkvir yet. And if Ingegerd doesn't find somebody to joust Sorkvir this year... She's going to have to marry Eric. That's the plot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So she has to choose. And of course, she chooses this masked newcomer, hmm. Rolf. So Rolf shows up to the tournament. And as we know, he's armed with the real armor, the chainmail that shines like silver. And Rolf is also riding Hregvid's magic horse, Dulcifal, which we haven't heard mentioned before, but it's like an intelligent horse that breathes fire. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, I guess we just came out of the bag of holding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Rolf is drawing from the deck of many things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And now it describes the joust. Both contestants aimed their lances ready for the attack and charged one another as hard as their horses could go. As they clashed, Sorkvir's lance struck Rolf's shield but glanced aside, whereas Rolf knocked off Sorkvir's helm. By the time that Rolf had completed the charge, Sorkvir had only covered two-thirds of the course, then Dulcifal, Rolf's magic horse that he's riding, mm-hmm. turned back, refusing to stop, and Sorkvir had covered more than a quarter of the course when they clashed again. Hmm. Each struck at the other, but as before, Sorkvir made no headway, this time losing his shield, and in the third charge, Dulcifal went swift as a bird in flight, and again they clashed. Rolf thrust at Sorkvir, and his spear caught in the mail coat. He heaved Sorkvir right out of the saddle rode with him across the field, Woo! like on the end of his lance, yeah, dragging him. and threw him into a stinking pit, breaking <laughs> his neck. Oh! That's the end of Sorkvir the Berserker. It doesn't even go to combat on foot? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Okay, so so seeing this result to the joust, right, Ingejerd is like, yes, right? But King Eric is like, fuck, right? And it says that King Eric flew into a rage, ordering his men to surround Hrolf and kill him on the spot. <laughs> Seems like a villain move. I mean, that's yep. acceptable in villain, you know, yep. procedures. So Hrolf is like, oh shit, right? <laughs> like, you know, so he's like, time to GTFO, right? Right, right? So he flees for his life and he manages to escape into the forest. Meanwhile, Ingegerd gets all of her men and ladies-in-waiting drunk as fuck so that when Hrolf comes back later that night, She's just ready to go. And he's like, I rescued you. She's like, what took you so long? (laughs) (laughs) So they both escape. And then it's like, for Eric, it's like, well, fuck. So much for all his well-laid plans. And then Eric turns to Grimm and he's like, this was your plan. Like, you know, Grimm is like, don't worry, boss. I still have my minion, William. And so he scries on William to learn what's going on. <laughs> He's really all in on this. He's yes. like, I use a ninth level spell for that <laughs> yes. guy. Yeah. Okay, so Grimm sees with his scrying spell that Rolf and Ingegerd beat Cheeks out of Russia, but not before William shows up and pleads to be Hrolf's servant again. Wow. Hrolf takes him back, what? but he double crosses him again. <laughs> this <laughs> These guys! This time sticking him with a sleep thorn so that he falls into a magical slumber. And while Hrolf snoozes, William cuts his feet off. What? And he leaves him behind so that Hrolf wakes up with no feet and has to crawl his way back to Denmark. (laughs) Whoa! 
Meanwhile, but his only thing is walking. <laughs> oh, that is so low. That's like oh my god, like that is wow. Yeah. William is definitively team villain now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So meanwhile, William has like dragged off Ingegerd against her will back to Denmark and gets there first, right? And tries to take credit for the adventure himself. But then there's this big long other story about Hrolf gets back and then gets his feet magically put on by a dwarf named Mondal, who's kind of a perv, but never mind. <laughs> when we first meet him, he's like seduced somebody's wife and turned her into a raisin. <laughs> 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 She's wow. all swollen and like for some reason he likes women that way. It's just really weird. So he but he did it because he likes the way that See, that is. baby? That's just what I, he did. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Anyway, mean, everybody's got their thing. Anyway, okay. long story short is Rolf gets back to Earl Thorgny's hall in Denmark, tells the Earl what William did. Everyone realizes that William is a douche and they kill him. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, he did pretty good for a, a yes. farmer dream minion. So finally, Grimm is like, fuck, and his scrying spell ends, and he has no further way to like scry. That's the best part of the Rolf. dream minion spell. It's like the name implies you're getting your dream minion, like the best dream minion possible, but you just get something random. Yeah. Wow. Well, Eric and Grimm and Thord, they know at least that this Ingegird is gonna want revenge for her father's death for sure. And she's not yeah. gonna rest until she gets it. So they probably haven't seen the end of her and Hrolf at this point. So Eric sends Thord and Grimm off into the like land to start gathering forces for the final confrontation that they know is probably coming and coming soon. Mm. Sure enough, faster than expected even, a massive fleet shows up in the Rus. And on the forecastle of the ship, Foxhole <laughs> of the ship is standing Hrolf in his like magic Batman cloak. Right. And Ingegerd with her long golden hair. And that weird dwarf Mondal, the perv, who for some reason is fighting alongside him. Why? I don't know. He's got magic. I mean, he did help him get his feet back on. You need to replace William. Yeah. 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 So wait, is the number two in the second power suit there? Yes, I think he is. Oh, great. Okay, if I remember, I just right. pictured him jetting around irrelevantly in the, the rocket yeah. suit in the back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, like, I see the enemy. It's yes, time for the final showdown, the climactic battle of our movie here. The battle rages for three days. On the first day, yeah. they fight hard. Eric's berserker Brynjolf. We've had five so far. I was told there's 19. We're getting 14 more dudes here? Yep. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Please proceed. Eric's berserker Brynjolf bears Eric's banner, but he gets knocked flat, drops the banner, and runs off in the first battle. <laughs> Great job, berserker. Eh, yeah. When Eric's army sees the banner go down, they panic, and the battle ends badly for Eric's side. Hmm. What's more, that night... Hrolf's side receives reinforcements, led by Hrolf's own father, Sturlog. We haven't mentioned much about him, but he's a hero with his own saga and everything. And actually, half the comedy of this saga is that, how could this doofus Hrolf be the son of the great Sturlog? But right, right. Anyway, Sturlog has a magic short sword as one of his treasures. So by this point, Hrolf's side is looking quite strong, and it's looking bad for Eric, right? But on the second day of battle, Eric receives his own reinforcements. Yeah. Thor, <laughs> Thor, Lasso, Pate, and Grimm return yes. from the countryside with countless fighting men to aid his cause. The fighting men are going to be mutants. Just a horde of mutants who all have dog heads. <laughs> Perfect 
Okay. Berserker okay. villain sidekick. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And among these mutant dog headed fighting men, <laughs> there are twelve berserkers. Yes. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Yeah. I'm gonna say them all, and then you can bing it. Right. Are you ready? Their names are Orn the Ermlander, Ulf, Har, Giller, Sorely Longnose, Turfi, Tjostner, Lothmund, Haki, Leafwolf, Stir the Strong, and Bruzy Boneshirt. Twelve Berserkers. Woo! It's like the wise men of Berserkers or something. I don't know. The twelve, the twelve the disciples. The, disciples. The, the disciples of Berserkers, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so now the tables have turned, and Eric appeared the stronger. Once again, the berserker Brynjolf bore his banner. I guess he trusted him again. And the two armies clashed. The Sea King's berserks caused great havoc, striding so hard through Hrolf's ranks that everyone gave way before them. The state of Hrolf's army came close to rout. Then Hrolf's side rallies, and they manage to kill every last one of the 12 Berserkers. And that's all we learn about those guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then, and here's where the scene really starts to get interesting, Hrolf goes up against Grim Agir, the sorcerer. But by then, Grim was exhausted, having been the death of many men. And so, like, he spent all his spell slots or something. And so he slipped away into the earth just as if he were diving into water. <laughs> what? Yeah. So he's like, bloop, bloop, into the earth. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Okay. But the battle is not done yet. Wreaking terrible havoc against Hrolf's side is none other than Thord Lazo Pate. Yes. The guy with the magical invulnerable bolt. Absolutely. <laughs> Thord Lazo Pate went like a champion against Sturlog's men, bearing his naked skull. But though they struck at it with swords and axes, they made no mark and he went forward unshaken. The Norwegians, 40 years... Did anyone ever just stick a spear in his stomach? Like, he's just (laughs) using the head for everything. (laughs) I don't know. The Norwegians, 40 of Sturlog's men, turned on him together, but he held them off like a true hero. Sturlog saw the great damage Thord was doing him, what with his men nearly routed and a number of them dead. Then he sought out Thord, who turned to meet him, and a long and bitter combat followed between them before Sturlog could land a blow. It caught Thord on the pate, and the sword proved as good as ever. For it split his head wide open and went straight through to the trunk so that he fell to the ground in oh, two Oh, so this abs. is a vertical... Yeah. Oh! Yeah. Now remember, that's the magic short sword, so... Okay. Okay, so I feel like as the two halves get sliced in half, there's a moment where he doesn't know he's dead yet, and, like, the two sides of his mouth say something. I've been paired against a worthy opponent. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I think it has to be Sturlog's line. Yeah, that's a good... That's yeah. true. He should get the pun. Yeah, so yeah. so I think Sturlog, the hero, then when he does this, he's like... I have you now! <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, he splits him in half. Right. Okay. So Thor goes down at the hands of Sturlog. The magic of Verfreya's short sword at last overcomes his invulnerable baldness, a glorious end to a berserker. But it is a terrible end for Sturlog, unfortunately, because just as he is raising his sword in victory behind him, up out of the ground comes... Oh! Grim What's his Yes, Grim. I love Grim. Grim is my favorite. He comes up behind him, and then he slices Sturlog through with a sword, and that is the end of Hrolf's father, Sturlog. Mm-hmm. 
Now, by the end of this second day of battle, Eric had gained back all the ground that he had lost on the first day, and it was looking quite grim indeed for Hrolf's grim. side. Oh, another pun. <laughs> by the third and final day of battle, the field is so littered with corpses that they have to choose a new battlefield. <laughs> and and Grimm gets the idea to cast a spell on all those corpses and turn them it. into an army of undead. Oh my god, I was just gonna make a joke about that, but that happens? <laughs> He's like, we need a bunch of glaumer. Almost, but unfortunately, Mundul, the pervy dwarf, anticipated right. this and warded the field against it. This guy doesn't get to use any of his good spells. I know. He was really hoping for both halves of... <laughs> both halves of Thorn to of be Thor. like... Like he has two separate warriors that are so... both have an invulnerable head. <laughs> oh, that would be... God, he was that... like, oh, come on, this is going to be a really challenge. That no. w- yeah, that would have been he perfect. Like, yeah. He just didn't make his role. So anyway, the third and final battle. The two armies form up on the new battlefield, and here is how the saga describes it. Mondul, the pervy dwarf. (laughs) We're just going to do that every time. Yep. Steps forward, wearing a black coat completely covering his body. Everyone thought his outfit looked very strange. (laughs) That's what it says. (laughs) At once, the two armies shouted the war cry and set upon one another. Grim bellowed so loudly that his screams could be heard even above the war cry. He ran in front of his column, and as he made for Hrolf's men, he started shaking the bag he had, so that a cloud of dust flew from it. Now when Mondul saw this, he stepped forward and, shaking his own bag, made a fierce gale blow from it at the dust cloud, sweeping it back towards Grimm's men and right into their eyes, blinding them so that they fell and were trampled to death by their own troops. So this is almost like wow. like early use of chemical warfare in World War One, where they didn't quite know that, like, oops, <laughs> yeah, like <laughs> the you wind can't really blow control it, back it and, yeah, yeah. yeah, this put Grimm into a rage. Putting an arrow to his bowstring, he shot it at Mondul, but Mondul aimed one back, and meeting point to point, the two arrows dropped to the ground. So the arrows, like, hit each other and then dropped to the ground. Altogether, this happened three times. So they're like, hit, hit, phew, hit. And they're just like, keep hitting each other's arrows. Then it says, Hrolf came up against Grim Agir and hewed at him, but Grim fell back, then took off into the air in the form of a winged dragon. (laughs) Grim Agir is a dragon now. This is amazing. Yeah. Spewing venom over Hrolf. Mondul was near at hand and put his bag underneath to catch the venom. Then he ran with his bag at Sorely Longnose and threw it right into his face and Sorely dropped down dead. So Sorely actually must have been the only one of that group of 12 berserkers that survived to the third battle. That was was him. But now he's dead. (laughs) So he basically, the the other guy recycled dragon venom and threw it at this guy. Yeah, he caught the dragon venom Mm -hmm. in the bag and then ran over to this other berserker and was like, bloop, into his face. Wow. Next, Grimm turned back into human shape once more, but only after he'd killed nine men with the poison. Grimm ran up to seize the dwarf, but Mondal didn't care to wait for him and dived down into the earth right where he was. So Mondal can dive into the earth too. Grimm plunged after him, 
and the ground closed over their heads. So now they're both like underground, underground doing duel. this. Yes. Oh my god, this would be such a great scene in the movie. Like now it's just the two of them duking it out like in, in the underworld. Yeah. We unfortunately don't get the scene of Mondal versus Grimm underground. Right. Yeah. But at some point they both come back up like okay. separately. Got like it. they had fought, but then like couldn't quite get the upper hand on each other. I'm going to spin this as Grimm thought he had him beaten and left him for dead and came back up. And then Monduel comes up a few minutes later. That's perfect. Yeah. Okay. Hrolf sees Grimm come back up and Grimm was the one who dealt the death blow to Hrolf's own father, Sturlog. Right. right. Yep. So now it's time for a reckoning. So Hrolf says, I suppose you want to dive into the earth again as you did when we met yesterday. If you have the stomach for it, Agir, come and fight me to the death. <laughs> You'll soon know I'm here, says Grimm. And with that, he and Hrolf clashed. So fierce was the fight, sparks flew everywhere from their swords, and everyone near them ran for cover. Meanwhile, as a whole other part of the battle, King Eric falls, and his army sees this, and his army takes to their heels. But Hrolf and Grim Agir are just, they're just locked in battle, and they take no notice of it, and it's just them left on the battlefield. And then it says, Hrolf and Grim Agir went on fighting like heroes till Hrolf managed to cut Grim's blade through the middle with Hregfid's sword. Grim threw all his weight against Hrolf, so Hrolf had to drop the sword and grapple with him. In his frenzy, Grimm waded up to his knees in earth. So he must be like half submerged? I like this. But Krolf kept backing away from him to avoid being flattened. Her I'm pet. picturing Grimm as almost like bulldozing through. Like he's like, you know how like when you wade in water, it just, it, you can, it can kind of splashes everywhere. There's almost like a wake of water coming ahead of oh, you. Oh, like he's kicking up earth? Yeah, there's like this huge mound of dirt as he oh, just charges good. at him and it's bowling guys over left and right and he's that's going good. right for Hrolf. That's good. Yeah. Then Grimm spewed venom at Hrolf one moment and fire the next. And had Hrolf not been wearing his cloak and the scarf Mondal had given him, because Mondal gave him a scarf and was like, here, wear this. Yeah, this protects you from venom and fire. Exactly. Yes. So he's got that over his face. Right. Over the mask. Oh, yeah. He could never have survived. Grimm's breath was so hot, Hrolf thought his whole body was aflame, despite for Freya's cloak and the armor he wore. Grimm squeezed the flesh off his bones wherever he could grasp him. And Hrolf couldn't remember when he'd last had such a rough time. He knew that if the two of them went on struggling much longer, he'd collapse with exhaustion. They braced their feet so hard against the earth that grass and turf churned up wherever they went. Yes. <laughs> then Hrolf saw Mondul race up. So Mondul rejoins the battle. The dwarf picked up a sword lying there on the field and hewed with both hands at Grimm's leg, but the stroke bit no deeper than if it had struck a rock. Rundle then ran back to the battlefield and found Hregvid's sword lying there. He smeared the edge with his spittle, and though it was too heavy for him to carry, because of course this magic sword is like an anime sword or something, right. that heavy, <laughs> right. dragged it over to the place where Grimm and Hrolf were battling, drew the blade across Grimm's calves, and cut the tendons, Ooh. and Grimm fell to the ground. Hold on to him, Hrolf! Don't let him break loose! Grimm put up a great struggle and tried to slip away into the earth, but Hrolf held him back with all the strength he had. Then Grim Agir spoke. It's amazing good luck you have, Hrolf, he said, and you'll make a great 
name for yourself by killing me and for all your other deeds here in Russia. I want a burial mound raised over me close by the sea, and should any voyager land there, death will be his destiny. <laughs> I've laid a good many traps to kill you, but I've always had a sense that this would happen. I sent William to trick you, but you weren't fated to die. Even so, you would have been beaten by me if that damned dwarf hadn't been there to help you. If it wasn't for those pesky dwarves. <laughs> I like how his, his like request is like, yeah, build me a tomb that's like a death trap for travelers. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, we don't really do that, right? What was his last request? <laughs> right. You gotta honor it. It's the, it's the only honorable thing to do. Yeah. Mondul jumped to his feet and drove a thick piece of wood into Grimm's mouth so that it stuck firm. And then he says, If we'd let Grimm speak another word, he'd have laid a curse on you and the rest, and you'd all have crumbled down to nothing but dust. Hmm. You better... should use that curse at the beginning of the <laughs> Well, he was a villain, so he monologued. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> you'd better kill him at once. Thrust your sword right into his breast, but don't cut his limbs off. Everything that's cut off him turns to poisonous snakes. F. <laughs> and no one must look him in the face when he's dying. That would mean death for sure. What? Yeah, this guy's like this a guy's... full-on like, lich king. Yeah! <laughs> Man, the list of powers on this dude. This yeah. is great. I'm statting this out. Hrolf took Hregvid's sword, then drove it into Grimm's chest and out through his back while the dwarf took a shield and placed it over his face. And strange as it must seem, the story goes that Grimm melted away like snow in a flame and crumbled into nothing but dust. So he goes like Wicked Witch of the West on it. Wow! <laughs> That's how Grimm Agir died, in violent death agonies, lashing about with his fists like a madman, but Hrolf lay on top of him till he was quite dead. <laughs> So I'm now picturing, like, oh, my God, this is amazing. So I'm picturing now, like, this is, we're cutting now to, like, a couple of, like, farmers. And there's, like, a dad who's just finished telling the story to his son. And he's like, and that's why you're going to sorcery school instead of berserker school. <laughs> but dad, the sorcerer dies in the story. Shut up, kid. They all die. Everybody <laughs> dies. God, kids today. Yeah. So thus goes the final day of battle. And so died the mighty villains of our suicide swords. Wow. Berserker Squad. Yep. Except for, we have two named Berserkers that we haven't heard yet, mm. and they're just kind of like mentioned in like a closing story <laughs> that we don't have to go into, but it involves two Scottish Berserkers. Oh yeah. And then the only thing we learn about them is big, strong men and very tough, and their names were Ammon and Hjalmar. Thank you. And they're Scottish, but they're quote-unquote Berserkers. Yes, because remember that Scotland mm -hmm. was settled right. by... Vikings, yeah. especially like the Hebrides and all those islands and stuff, much like Northern Ireland. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Of course, Hrolf defeats those two berserkers as well. <laughs> of course. <laughs> now, just as the credits of our movie are rolling and everyone's leaving the theater, then we get one more scene. And this is just for the true fans that stick around only for the very end. Remember our poison ivy. Oh, yeah. Trigvita. Remember that she dove into the water and she got away. <laughs> well, while Hrolf was off fighting the final battle in Russia, she got wind that Hrolf had left, mm -hmm. and she seized her opportunity to take her revenge once and for all. 
So this is our final scene of our episode today. Well, here's the final scene I want to give her. Okay. Which is like, we just cut to like somewhere in the sea, hundreds of miles away. And there's like a fisherman and his son in a boat. And the boy's like, dad, I think it's a mermaid. He's like, mermaids aren't real. He's like, well, then what's that? And he looks over and there's just the most beautiful woman in the world kind of like floating next to the boat. And she reaches up and goes for a kiss. The poison. Just just pulls him down. And there she is, like, rowing away to yes. her next machination. Beautiful. Yeah. So, here's what it says in the saga. Trigvita had attacked without warning, and the best men were all away, so the Earl could raise only a small force. They came face to face a short distance from town, and at once a savage battle broke out, both sides fighting bravely. Earl Thorgny had his banner carried forward boldly, going close behind it himself, fighting fiercely and killing a good many men. But Trigvita was fighting well too, raging through the Earl's ranks so that nothing could withstand her. And soon the Earl and his men began to lose ground. The battle lasted all day, but in the end, with great honor, Earl Thorgny fell, and it was Trigvita who gave him his death blow. Yes. So the Berserker gets her revenge. Yes. Finally. Which sets us up for an all-female cast sequel. Almost except. Oh, no. Trigvita then presses her luck, lays siege to the town, and when relief forces arrive, she herself is killed in the battle. Damn. But I do have to imagine her going down and just being like, it was worth it. (laughs) So that, my friend, is the end end of our story. All the berserkers are dead, and tonight they dine in Valhalla with all the other fallen warriors. I love that the sorcerer was just way more badass than the berserkers. Grimm is pretty awesome. Yeah. So there you go. That is Gungulhrolf's saga as told from the perspective of the berserkers. No less than 19 berserkers in total, all of them dead by the end, but at least Trigvita got her revenge. I think the next movie would actually be the, the prequel movie showing the life of young Grimm and how he became such a twisted warlock. Oh, you got to go back a... and take the favorite characters and give them their own movie. Yeah, that yeah. would be really good. Right. I would watch that. Anyway, that's it for our show today. And that's it for our series on Viking Berserkers. So, Andre, what do you think? So Did good. we fulfill our promise to make this an epic series? I, yeah, I, I was <laughs> right here and I felt pretty epic about every minute of it. <laughs> we managed to cover... So much of the Viking world in this series. I mean, I was especially happy to get to the shield maidens and the badass women stuff, for one thing. Also, there was the fire and ice stuff of Iceland. There was mm. the all thing and the dueling. I don't know. It was me. It was good for me. Was it good for you? <laughs> <laughs> I have to say, by the way, Brandon, I was going to say this on a previous episode. I think your Scandinavian accent has gotten much better oh. in, in the course of our recordings. Thank you. Yeah. Especially because back in like our Christmas episode, <laughs> like I couldn't, it sounded Italian and then Irish and right. then Russian. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, can people like send us like there? I mean, where, where do people go to like talk about this, comment on it, tell us questions, argue amongst themselves about what berserkers really were? Sure. We've got on social media, right. Facebook, Twitter, you name it. We're at Dead Ideas Pod. Nice. You can also email us at deadideaspod at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. And if you did like this, Definitely give us a good Stitcher review on Stitcher specifically. Then I will draw you as Grim Agger with his like, oh, yeah. with his green Joker Viking braids and his like gold capped teeth and the the whole nine yards, whole like Sounds coming so up good. out of the earth. Okay, so 
what's next for Dead Ideas. So hmm. at the time of recording right now, I'm not quite sure exactly what we're going to do next because we might do a few short things to kind of break things up. But the next big thing that I have planned, it's going to take us through lands that we have seen in this series, actually. Because we're going just beyond the Rus. Yeah, there you go. We're, go <laughs> we're going to the Byzantine Empire, hmm. and we are going to be talking about court eunuchs. Ooh, cool. Yeah, so we're going to do a whole series on Byzantine eunuchs. This yeah. is going to be awkward because when people request to be drawn as a court eunuch, I mean, is that going to be a, a nude drawing or how do you show that the person's a court eunuch? <laughs> um, well, I mean, we'll get into that whole thing. They had a look about okay. them that was associated with them because they couldn't grow facial hair, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Did you know that some eunuchs could actually have sex? Hmm, cool. I'll leave that as a teaser. That's a great teaser. I'll leave that as a teaser. I'm also guessing that the number of requests for court eunuch self-portraits will be low. But the number of requests for portraits, for portraits with eunuchs having sex will be high. <laughs> Very high. Yes. <laughs> okay, so everybody, be sure to come back for some sexy Byzantine court eunuchs. It's going to be good, I promise. Andre, thanks for being on the show and for being on the series. Absolutely. Finally, I want to say a big thank you to Auntie Mardikainen, a Finnish composer who does epic battle music. Check him out on YouTube and everywhere else. Buy his stuff on iTunes. He has contributed the clips for our soundtrack today. Mm, cool. Thank you very much, Auntie Marta Kaden. All right, everybody. I will see you next time. I'm BT Newberg, and this is Dead Ideas.